you have to be agile in this uh, landscape. And, you know, one of the adages that I like to use is, you know, you're building that rocket ship as you fly <laughs> in a lot of instances. So there's no real precedent to look back on. Um, but, you know, I would say challenges to licensed producers getting products into dispensaries. Um, in Canada, the Cannabis Act is actually a federal law, but the provinces make their own individual regulations. So for like a, a micro grow or for a smaller producer, that can be pretty challenging depending what province you're looking on, on going into. The view from across the counter. Rebecca Crew, Director of Sales at Calgary-based marketing and growth agency Maggie Jane, has worked in cannabis retail as a buyer, vendor and sales consultant. But even in Canada, where the recreational market stretches from Nanaimo to Newfoundland, understanding what makes dispensary owners tick is just as crucial as consumer insight. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lobster Pot Podcast. I'm Dave Barton and this man is Jamie, what is it again, Bonthron. I'm going for Bonthron. That's we're, going, we're going for Bonthron this time. This I'll, time. Take we'll that, do, I'll take that. We'll take that. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, uh, total faux pas. We're not supposed to date the podcast, so we shouldn't say when we're recording, but it is the 22nd of December. Are you familiar with Christmas Steve? Christmas Steve is the mm. day before Christmas Eve. So technically, okay. it's the Christmas Eve of Christmas Steve, and that's all I've been thinking about all day. Christmas Eve Steve. What? That's Christmas I've, Eve Steve. It's a great so way I, to lose someone. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm lost, but you know I'm lost for words for once, which is quite good. <laughs> but more about that, I think we'll have to. I'm gonna have to go uh, sort of fall down a Christmas Steve kind of rabbit hole in a bit and uh, see how that happens. Which sounds, uh, well, it sounds quite involved, doesn't it? But there we go. But in other news, we have a special guest today, Rebecca Crew, who is director of sales at Calgary, Alberta, Canada-based marketing agency Ma Maggie Jane, not Mary Jane, Maggie Jane Marketing. How are you doing, Rebecca? Good to see you. I'm Thanks for joining fantastic. us. Yeah, I'm doing great. Sorry, guys. Uh, fantastic. I love your Christmas Steve. In Newfoundland, where I'm from originally, we call it Tibbs Eve, which is, uh, well, mummering, all that good stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm, this, do you know they made a horror movie about the mummers? No way. I did not. It was about it was this guy who basically, I think he was born abroad, and then he came to live in Newfoundland as a kid. And just the whole concept around mumming, mummering mumming scared yeah. the crap out of him so when he grew up became a film director it's called like allowed in or something because there's that saying isn't it any mummers allowed in so when they come around i'm gonna have to check that out this year yeah i've never watched it but you know anyway enough about the mummering mummering and well it's a very seasonal thing but we can we're not dating it but but tell us a little about yourself because you know from newfoundland now based in calgary doing sales, marketing, but you've been in cannabis for quite a while, haven't you? Tell us a little about your potted history of uh, the Rebecca-ness today. Oh, well, great question. It's pretty loaded. Um, well, my involvement with cannabis, of course, came from the legacy market. What I didn't know at the time was that I was self-medicating for a lot of things that we now know are, are helpful for, and I know that I'm in uh, good company there. Um, so started there and then, of course, went to university, actually lived in the UK for a little while and then moved to Calgary. And uh, since moving to Calgary, I was in banking. That was my original career. 
So what I've done is I've taken all of my banking experience with sales, leadership, uh, execution, operations, that sort of thing, and really translated it nicely to the cannabis space. So what I've done is I've opened retail stores and run retail stores in Alberta. I was the um, director for uh, Western Canada for a very prominent LP here via marketing agency. So I got to see a lot about what works and what is not working so much in this space. But yeah, the plant, the culture, everything, that's my passion. Uh, you know, since leaving banking, I haven't really looked back. And that's, I mean, that's, I mean, it's so cool, but it's kind of so your kind of role, you've really kind of been that sort of go between between sort of sort of licensed, well, LPs, licensed producers and stuff. Yeah. And and the kind of dispensary. So the retailers is that kind of the sort of space where you sort of thrive, if you like. Yes. Well, honestly, anything in sales, I thrive because that's <laughs> yeah. that's, well, that's what I really networking, getting to know people and what their pain points mm -hmm. are and seeing if there's something that we can better or help them be successful. Because one of the things that I really believe is a strong cannabis community is going to create a very strong cannabis industry for everybody. So really being able to identify some of those gaps, whether it's at the dispensary, or if it's in field sales, telemarketing, mm -hmm. that sort of execution, or even, you know, product education if you will mm, absolutely yeah, <laughs> um, that's so, hugely important sorry i'm getting oh, i think we're getting like a, no it's, i think it's my uh my the sort of the lag i'm doing the whole kind of oddly dubbed thing where i sort of speak and then anyway it's cool sorry so i was just, just going to ask you in terms of like you know some of those challenges and that will kind of differ between businesses but in terms of kind of licensed producers getting their products into dispensaries what are some of the big challenges they face there because again if it's quite a competitive market and it is isn't it definitely you know it's uh you have to be agile in this uh, landscape and you know one of the adages that i like to use is you know you're building that rocket ship as you fly <laughs> in a lot of instances so there's no real precedent to look back on um but you know i would say challenges to licensed producers getting products into dispensaries um in canada the cannabis act is actually a federal law but the provinces make their own individual regulations so for like a, a micro bro or for a smaller producer that can be pretty challenging depending what province you're looking on on going into um you know for example in bc my field sales team they had to build relationships with buyers and really have a grassroots movement to get our listings into the province <laughs> so right, okay. there's a you gotta get real creative and uh, not be afraid to go in and ask for them to to do that so what the the retailers would have to do is email the government asking for our products so then we could get it listed really? in the province so yeah yeah that that's a huge that's huge crazy. part yeah and LPs alike. And then, you know, there's a lot of um, cash flow management issues. <laughs> I know mm. that's a, a big piece for dispensaries. Um, you know, it's um, investment isn't so much the issue, I would say, as it was in previous years. Not to say that it's mm. not there at all, mm. but it's about spending with purpose. Um, I've seen a lot of money um, used in a lot of fun ways, but not necessarily generating that return on investment that most producers are looking for. So, and also another challenge, if I may add in one more, is um, the market saturation. Like there's, 
if you're going into this market right now, you really have to know your purpose and know where what gap you're filling in right now because you take a look at a category like vape cartridges, well, you're almost tripping over yourself in vape cartridges when you enter any dispensary. So there's, there's quite a few uh, different challenges uh, for producers getting into those spaces. It's cool. So it's kind of like, so the, I mean, it's obviously very different from, from the US in, you know, you have effective you know, nationwide federal legalization for want of a better term, but it's also down to the individual provinces is how they manage the kind of cannabis, well, how the sort of, how the, because isn't it in Ontario, they have the OCS, don't they, which is the cannabis, That's right. so they sort of regulate it and they do they control the sales in that respect as well is that kind of similar how it goes or you have to buy it from a cannabis store that's owned by the province in or they have to have a relationship so, with the provincial that sorry getting getting yeah, tripped yeah. up on the legislation yeah it's a bit of everything to be honest with you i mean ocs hmm. um and the agco um ocs is just their online store um okay. you know the regulator uh for example aglc in alberta Mm-hmm. They determine what listings, so what producers are permitted to sell in the province. Same thing in British Columbia. Um, although BC recently went to direct sale, but I do believe they're still going to have an influence on that. So it's almost mm-hmm. like at these provincial boards, there's gatekeepers mm-hmm. as to how product can get in the market. Then also some provinces have rules around, okay, if you're a certain product or SKU, um, it must sell this number of cases every single month. If not, you're risking being delisted. So then you're no longer available in that province. Now, what I have seen um, is a lot of provinces have started going in the direction of Saskatchewan, where they are direct order. Uh, Manitoba does have a bit of a direct uh, order model as well. Um, But also in Saskatchewan, there's a wholesale model as well, where it's privately wholesaled. So it's, uh, like I said, bulk of my experiences in Western Canada Canada, and to say that it's um, the wild, wild west is probably an understatement. Okay. And that's cool though. But, but again, it's just, but you, unlike in the U S where you, you know, basically if you are, even if, you know, you, you have to grow and sell in the state that you operate in. And if you want to open another state, if you're going to be a multi-state operator, you have to kind of basically take open a new, a new business in the state. And that's not the case in Canada. If you grow it in Newfoundland, you can sell it in BC, you can sell it in Yukon, wherever you want, I think. There's no restriction in that in the way there is in the US. No, there's no restriction in that regard. Mm-hmm. But what the mm-hmm. restriction, if you will, is, is if that board member, that gatekeeper mm-hmm. um, in that province decides, no, we have enough um, high potency sativas uh, mm-hmm. in the market right. right now. So, no, we're not going to take that skew. But, you know, we're really interested in these infused pre-rolls that you have. So they can pick and choose what they allow into the province. So without you, without the... Um, the producer having to have a grow there. Although some provinces, they do prefer to um, have predominantly their own uh, homegrown cannabis. It's I've heard in certain circles, it's a little bit easier if you are a BC producer to get um, your mar- your product to market in BC than such as the uh, organization I was working with previously, where we had to really go grassroots to get our listings there. 
It sounds like a, a genuine struggle in its own right. You know, people talking <laughs> about the fact that it's easy in Canada because it's federally legal, and it's like that's absolutely mm-hmm. not the case. It has its own complexities in in working in that space. It's, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. sounds like a minefield for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, it can be sometimes, but you know, at the end of the day, we're all just grateful that it's legalized coast to coast. And I mean, I can get on a plane and fly coast to coast with thirty grams of cannabis on my person and that's cool that's fine i mean the last time i got stopped and searched at an airport was in winnipeg and it was because i left my orange juice in my bag next to my three and a half grams of weed so <laughs> i'll pick and choose my battles sometimes. i'll take the orange juice absolutely yeah, yeah there are definitely some benefits to federal legalization i mean talking about sales generally we, we did a podcast a little while ago speaking to uh brian roth at elevated signals they're based in vancouver um or he's based in california but they're based in vancouver um and it's always interesting to speak to people who have to sell for a living. It's something that a lot of people don't have a lot of experience in or understanding of apart from being sold to. And generally the experiences that people remember are the bad ones, unfortunately, um, Mm -hmm. because they usually stand out. What are some of the, 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 I suppose the things that salespeople are getting wrong when they're going into dispensaries and trying to, you know, ship product, what are they doing wrong? Is it technology based? Is it the pattern? What is it? Is it lots of things? Uh, There are, well, okay, first let me say there are a lot of talented and skilled uh, field sales reps out in in the country, and it's been a a joy to get to know them. Uh, However, yes, when I was in retail management and I was on the other side of the counter having folks come in, there were reps that either stood out for a very good reason um, or a very bad reason. Um, So if you're talking about faux pas, I mean, one of the things that I would see the most is a rep would come in and engage a bud tender, engage myself, and be completely like not cognizant of the fact that we have 10 people in a lineup all waiting for their weed on a Friday night. So don't want to talk to you right now because we're making money. Um, so just being conscientious of the business and we're a business, we're looking to, to you know, earn our, our way as well. Um, and then professionalism. I find that uh, I've had reps come into my store in the summertime with like flip-flops on. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this is a business. Uh, if you want to be perceived as a professional and taken seriously, I mean, I'm not saying you have to go out and get suited and booted. I did that in banking long enough. Um, but at the same time, like show up, <laughs> show up in every way, because at the end of the day, when you're going into somebody's dispensary, Customers don't know that you're not an employee of that dispensary. So then it reflects poorly on that dispensary. So I've I've seen that. And then um, if I could give a tip as to sales strategy, if there's reps coming in, it would be get good at asking great discovery questions about their location. Because what I, I saw a lot of reps do is just vomit product information at you that was not relevant. And you left and there was no impression left for myself or my bud tenders or uh, cannabis educators to then, you know, emulate or get that information. And that could have been product that was sitting on our shelves. So really teaching not just about the product, but why it's relevant to that location and how to sell it. 
No, massively. I mean, that's it's, it's a nightmare. If you're crafting brand, you're working in marketing and you've got reps out there who are just spurting kind of features and numbers. It's like, come on, like, what's the purpose? Why, you know, why is this, why should this be important to a customer? Why should this be pushed? You know, why is this product valuable? These are the things that you really want sales reps out there kind of, that's the stuff you want people talking about. And that's how you have conversations. Just, you know, shouting about terpene profiles and THC percentages is, you know, it's, it's, it's so basic that it's just not going to, it's not going to shift product, especially in a really competitive environment. You sort of touched on, you know, that, that competition that brands face when they're in a dispensary, um, what are, what are some of the ways that salespeople kind of push products to get them to stand out? You know, we've all heard the the thing when, you know, sales rep comes in with a goodie bag, tries to charm, tries to bribe a little bit. What are some of the ways that they can really, you know, get product over the line and get it moving once it is in the store? Honestly, provide that value. Where is it going to fit in my business? Because at the end of the day, um, like I ran three different locations at the same time and each location had a different demographic, a different psychographic. Like it, it really dictated like one store was all edibles all the time, like could not keep it in stock. The other store was like vapes, all vapes all the time. So um, when you're able to like pivot between those products, it, it will make you a lot stronger when you're on the sales floor but uh sorry i got tangent there i'm like yeah all these people what was the question again <laughs> no it's just about what's gonna you know what's what's really gonna tip the balance when it comes to when it comes to making the sale what is going to tip the balance yes. we spoke about you know brand and we've spoken about you yeah. know the quality of the product but how do you what's that personal connection where's that engagement Yes, this is where I'm going with it. It's like, come in and ask me really good questions. Because if I had to been at one of my stores that was great with vapes, I would, I would be telling you all about vapes. So then that salesperson can pivot and say, okay, these guys like concentrates, um, they like vape products, what is in my repertoire or portfolio that I can fill in here, then also partner with them ask don't be shy say you know what if you bring in so many cases how about i come and do a pop-up for you next friday night should i follow up with you on wednesday or thursday like what does that look like don't be afraid to ask because also a lot of retailers they would appreciate that help on the floor you'd appreciate that sale but if nobody takes the initiative to ask or even set up a product knowledge session salespeople you're there for a purpose. Don't be afraid to ask. And that's that point of differentiation as well. So few people are going to take the initiative and do things that are outside of what they think, you know, the constraints of their role are, you know, that it, it takes that person who's willing to go, yeah, I'll go and do a pop-up for a day. Why not? You know, if nothing else, I'll learn a lot about customers, you know, I'll learn how a product goes down really like in the field. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting to see. What's your sort of experience um, in the US in terms of dispensaries? And do you think there's any kind of marked difference between the way things happen there versus in Canada? Put you on the spot a little bit with that. Oh, gosh, no worries. I mean, I've had this discussion many times with many people because I've been very fortunate to spend a lot of time in Nevada, all over California, particularly Southern California and Washington as well. Um, you know, the one thing that comes to mind is, you know, I what I think the U.S. market is doing really well is innovation of product, definitely across the board. And like their people are so 
every time I've gone into a dispensary there, they're so like, okay, let's get you this. Like, oh, and because you're getting all of this stuff, I'm going to give you a discount. I'm going to throw these joints at you. You're not allowed to do that in Canada, right? It's fun. It's exciting. It's entertaining. It's great to go in there. The one thing, thing that kind of puts people off from going to some or Canadians that I've spoken to about going into dispensaries in the U.S. is around going in and you got your security guard right there. Where's your passport? Where's your ID? And that can be as friendly as they are. Sometimes that can be really uh, intimidating, especially to your legacy stoners. So um, I can understand how that might make people feel a little bit uncomfortable at first. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, what Canada's changed as well, that's really great is transparency like you can now see into cannabis stores from the parking lot whereas i know in some of the states as well you got your security guy your id checker behind glass and then you're going behind a a door we're not doing anything illicit right Mm. we're at a legal store you know you don't see that at liquor stores in fact as i recall in the uk i'd go to tesco to pick up my wine on fridays 100 <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. well we know you're classy now if you're going to tesco yeah. to pick up your wine that's <laughs> oh, not even down the longest i love it that's great yeah, yeah. i should have just said ms so i would sound oh, fancier yeah, yeah. than oh, i am wow, really yeah. We wouldn't have bought it. It's fine. Don't no. worry. I know. I know. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good point. It's something we've experienced. You know, we, we when we went to a dispensary in uh, in Vegas, it was very much like that. You know, you've got your guard on the front, and it just feels like a very strange experience to go and buy something that's legal, and and yet to be presented with that. It's a, it's a strange kind of dichotomy. Absolutely. And I do wonder if it's because of payment options Mm. and how that came about, like the banker in me starts wondering, because I remember when Colorado uh, first uh, legalized, uh, there was a special on CNN and they were talking about they could only take cash. So that might have played a part. But last couple of times I've been down there over the last few years, I've paid with credit card every time. So really, okay. I was going to say, is it? It's meant to be. I know there are there are ways around it. I mean, we're speaking to a company who you know they, there are payment technologies where you can trick the payment. I'm thinking it's an ATM or something like that, and there are things mm-hmm. technologies like that that exist. But is it? It's not. Is it just cash only? It's not cash only in uh, in Canada. You can pay by card. Oh goodness, and, and no. You see, you don't have that. No. You don't have that issue at all in terms of like, you know, you don't. Because, again, that, the whole security thing, as you were sort of saying, it's like, you know, you've got probably a couple of million in cash sitting in each dispensary or something like that, potentially, in somewhere mm-hmm. like Las Vegas. And it's like, well, damn it, if they didn't have security, when even even they do, they, you know, a lot of places, you know, they're serious risk, aren't they, of, you know, being robbed, mm-hmm. not just for the cash, but for product or, or both, you know, and that's, uh, mm-hmm. and that's a scary thing. And I suppose, again, safe banking, et cetera, would, would be a real game changer for, for the U.S., but... I mean, in Canada, is it the, is, are there similar challenges regarding finance, I guess, in terms of, right, you mentioned about raising capital or, you know, in, in a broader sense, how does that, and banking, obviously, that's very much your sort of uh, wheelhouse too. Mm-hmm. What, what's the kind of, is it, is it treated like any other business in Canada or are there kind of like caveats around running a cannabis dispensary? Business. 
any sort of cannabis related business at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot more anti-money laundering and terrorist financing paperwork that's going to go with that. That's just a reality. Um, now, when it comes to appetites of banking organizations wanting to have these kinds of clients, um, not these kinds of clients, I don't mean it like that, but having no, cannabis no, no, no. related industry clients, ATB in Alberta, which is a provincial bank, um, they started opening up accounts for uh, cannabis organizations. Now, um, now there's another organization right now in Canada. I know BMO, they're very cannabis friendly. In fact, they just had a posting in Toronto for their first cannabis focused lender. So um, we are seeing that dial move, especially seeing as of last year, I believe we were at $43.5 billion industry in Canada. Um, you know, any banker, they're going to be like, "Ooh, I want a piece of that pie. So um, I, I can see that um, that BMO is definitely going to be a leader with the big five. Now, I'm not sure if any of the other ones are, but I know that when I was with um, another organization, it was just we don't have the appetite for that kind of risk right now. And I can see a lot of other banks feeling that way. And they have to think of their shareholders and all of that good stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I really feel that the, the banks that aren't getting on board with this industry are really missing out because, yes, we may enjoy cannabis, but we are really great at business, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the number itself on the size of the market says, you know, all you need to know. But as you say, it's uh, when it comes to the banks, it isn't. Strangely, or you might think it is, it's not just a case of the numbers, it's the all the surrounding kind of pressures, societal mm -hmm. stigma, stakeholders, all of the all the usual kind of stuff that goes yeah. hand in hand with cannabis, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, I think we've darted here, there, and everywhere and covered a whole bunch in about 25 minutes. Uh, thank you for letting us pick your brain. Just before we kind of go, what's uh, what are you looking forward to in 2023? Oh, in 2023, well, I'm so excited because uh, the team here at Maggie Jane, we are um, going to be kicking off Lyft in January, first thing. So that's a great way to start the new year. We're hosting some B lounges there with the Bud Tenders Association. So super pumped about that. I also get to connect with some of my old staff that I had from uh, previous roles, which is always really nice. That's what I love about the uh, the cannabis community. Um, you know, you, you just work with somebody or speak with somebody and it's almost like you're connected for life here. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to that. And then just continuing to go upwards and onwards with Maggie Jane. Brilliant. Rebecca, it was a genuine pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Likewise. Take care, guys. <laughs>